You're just gonna stay angry at God for the rest of your Whether it's popular or not, we're seeking out what pleases the Lord. Hi, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the UPC Later podcast. This week, it's just me. You get to listen to me ramble for a little bit. I hope you're excited. Um, I hope your holiday season has gone well and as unchaotic as possible. I know that's not really um, a realistic expectation, but I hope it for you anyway. So the month of December, if you spent time in the UPC during this month, then you are familiar with two things. Holiday Youth Convention or Youth Convention, whatever your state called it, and also Watch Night Service. I want to talk about Watch Night Service first. If you're unfamiliar, (laughs) lucky you, but let's talk about it. So Watch Night Service is New Year's Eve. And it is a nighttime service that starts around maybe seven, eight, sometimes nine, but it goes through midnight and you pray in the new year with the congregation um, and the leadership. And so this is tough (laughs) for a couple of reasons. A typical UPC church service in my, you know, from what I know, in my experience, it was about two hours. But if it's not starting until 8 or 9 and you have to go through midnight, you have to have a lot of extra things to fill the time. So these things that we did, one of which is communion. And communion for me was always incredibly stressful. And I want to tell you why. So when it was time for communion, um, and some churches also, I learned this, they actually use wine, which is crazy because I was like, y'all told us that we couldn't drink not you know what not important it's not not the time but our church used um grape juice and like wafer crackers I suppose but before it started it was like really heavily said if you are not living correctly if you are not living right and if you are not in good standing with God do not partake of communion and for years actually the entire time I was there I was like second guessing myself every time because I was like am I living okay like what does that mean because it wasn't like if you are doing x y and z it was just like hey careful if you're not you know living the way you should and I was like okay is anybody living the way they should what does that mean and so every year I was terrified to take communion but I was even more terrified not to take communion because I knew people would be looking at me and I didn't want anybody to think bad things about me so I was just like, I guess I'll do it and, and hope for the best. But if I, am I going to die? Is someone next to me going to die? Like, is my family in jeopardy? Is my dog going to get hurt? Like, what does it mean that I can't partake if I'm not living right? Because, it, you know, what is it a curse? Like, because you know, that word is thrown around left and right in the UPC. So I was like, what, what does it mean? Um, and actually when here, the person next to me started choking when they drank the grape juice and I was like oh my god it's happening like like Michael Scott it's happening but I was like oh my god oh my god obviously it was nothing they were just choking um and then we all laughed about it later but in the moment I was like they're not living right is this what happens no it's not what happens um but I was scared every single time and so along with communion came foot washing service which (laughs) some of you are super triggered the other ones of you are like huh 
Yeah, friend. Foot washing. Um, so the men and the women would be separated into different rooms and you would be paired off with another person. And it was these like larger Tupperware type of things, I suppose. I don't know the right word, but they would be filled with water and you would like cup the water and like pour it over the feet of the person whose feet you were washing. And you would pray for them for like their walk with God, I suppose. I don't know the actual rules because every year I was so unwell about it. I don't like being touched. I don't want to touch other people. It was really stressful. But it was so encouraged to take part of it because it was about humility and submission and all the things that they want you to have. All these characteristics that they may not and probably don't come naturally to the majority of people. So they really wanted to make sure that everybody who was A, in ministry, B, aspiring ministers took play, you know, partook in foot washing service. And so the couple of times I did it was about as horrifying as you're thinking and then as I got older, it's like, I would hide in the bathroom. I would go sit in my car. Like, I got to find my something in the car. I don't know. I'm just trying to make an excuse because I did not. I was so uncomfortable in those moments because um, it was just not, <laughs> it wasn't what I wanted to be a part of or do. And I was just uncomfortable. But your comfort was not taken into account. Um in my experience, in the UPC, they don't care if you're uncomfortable or not. You should just be doing what they say that you should be doing because they know best. Um, and so, you know, there's song service, you know, praise and worship. Sometimes there was testimony service. Sometimes there were two or three speakers just to fill the time because this is hours. And so a couple of you sent me your um, memories of being in these services and somebody said that they were sleep deprived, hyper emotional, washing other people's disgusting feet, you know, normal New Year's Eve stuff, um, which is funny because I can catch the sarcasm because none of that <laughs> is normal looking at it now. Um, but you are hyper emotional because there's so many things happening. Um, A, your comfort level is <laughs> just gone. And B, there's, you know, there's praise and worship so there's dancing and all the happy things and then there's prayer and so you're crying and then there's all these you know like the communion and all the things it's just it's very up and down for hours um another person said that it would start at like nine and it lasted until midnight and that as a child they feared that the rapture would take place at midnight and that once they turned 13 they were excited because they rented a local ice skating rink for um every year and from 1 a.m. to 3 a.m., the youth group would go ice skating after watch night service. As a parent now, this is all nuts and we would not be attending. Same. It is, it's hard for me to wrap my head around it now, but I'm like, okay. I've gone out on New Year's Eve and like celebrated New Year's Eve before. Like people are drinking and also driving. And why would you put your entire congregation on the road after midnight is wild. And then your young people even later staying out on the road is even crazier to me because it just doesn't seem safe. But that's my own opinion. Um, the next person said, we only went to one. The theme was beyond. Pause. You guys, the UPC loves a theme. Your girl loves a theme, but like differently. The UPC loves a theme. It says that uh, it was split into two different services. One was the night before and one was the day of worship like UPCI normally does and the message was mainly about how our church was the only saved and holy church and it was our job to save the city 
The leader who normally preached would say how the ones not in that service would not make the rapture, and if anybody did not follow his instructions given um, that they would be rejected by God and sent to hell. The leader continued to preach on how standards made us different and how it would bring others in. <clears throat> Excuse me. We were given an assignment for the year to go beyond with the Lord and bring souls home so we can be blessed. And by blessed, the examples given were promotions, illness gone, breakthrough, etc. The next morning um, was about the same. And this time everybody had to come to the front and grab an arrow to resemble going beyond and reaching the goal given to the leader by God. Then at the end, everybody went into a 52-day fast. And if you didn't, there was judgment and stuff from other people. We could not eat for 22 hours every day. And so <clears throat> that's another thing that happens um, at these services and in the new year of the UPC is um, a church-wide fast. And some of them now do, they'll tell you, if you can't fast for medical reasons, you can fast social media, you can fast your phone, you can fast TV, you can fast whatever. Um, some of them do like a 21-day Daniel's fast, which I have tried. It did not go well. If you're not familiar, you can look it up. I don't know it exactly. I know I think it's like no dairy, no meat, um, just water, things like that. Um, but it's really, really encouraged that you take part of this fast. And what's hard for me, because I have a lot of like personal feelings about fasting that I'm going to do my best not to get into because I feel like this is not the episode for it. But when the fast is being called for the church, a lot of times, not all the time, so don't, don't come for me because it's not all the time, it's just a lot of times, it is not so you can, you know, have a closer relationship with God. It's so you can get something in return like a promotion, like your illness is gone and your family being saved and all these things. And that's not real life. And that's why fasting is hard for me to um, agree with and, and comprehend because there are so many well-meaning people in the UPC, really good people who would do anything to see their their wife healed, their, their children not sick anymore, to have their finances, you know, in order. They would do anything. And I think that leadership knows that. Personally, it's my own opinion. I think that leadership knows that. And I think they take advantage of that. And so they can control the narrative. They can control it and say, if you do X, Y, and Z, if you don't eat, if you don't go on Facebook, if you don't use your cell phone, if you don't eat this specific food group, God will do it for you. And that's really hard for me to comprehend um, because I don't, I don't think God's up there waiting for us saying, I'm not going to eat. Will you do this for me? I'm not going to do something. Does that mean that you'll help me? I don't think it's, you know, I would like to think that that's not how it is, that you have to give up nourishment um, and you have to give up things in order to get his attention. Like he's not going to look at your way and he's not going to heal your child until you stop eating. But that's what they're telling people. And that's why that is hard for me. Like I, like I said, not all churches, but a lot of churches are, you know, believe that and they teach it and people are not seeking medical help. They're not, you know, trying to live healthy. They're not, you know, 
with their finances. They're not taking certain steps because they're trusting the church to direct them. And the church is taking um, advantage of that. And that does not sit well with me. So I went on a tangent about fasting after I said I wouldn't, but we're going to leave it there. Um, Also, in December was Holiday Eve Convention. And so, like I said, your state may have called it something different. If you're not familiar, um, the days right before New Year's Eve, but right after Christmas, so like those two or three days, there would be a, um, a convention. And so ours was in the middle of the state at first. It was at this hotel, um, large hotel that had a big ballroom, and we would all stay at this hotel. Um, later on, it moved to the campgrounds for the UPC in our state, and then everybody would stay at hotels like in the local area. But it was not like a cheap thing to go to. You had to pay a registration fee that everybody paid. And I think it was like maybe 50, maybe 75. And you times that by all of the youth groups, um, all of the people who were coming. It was a lot. Um, And I'm assuming it went to pay the speakers and like the musicians. Maybe. I'm not 100% sure, but that's my guess. Um, You had to pay hotel. And there was four people to a hotel room at one time. So it would all be split between those people um, each night. And then um, every meal. So if you wanted to eat, you had to bring money. Um, And a lot of times it was like fast food and Applebee's and things like that. So it wasn't these like extravagant steak dinners. But, you know, it adds up, especially a kid who comes from a home that there's, you know, not a lot of food there to begin with. So (laughs) you're not getting money to go eat somewhere else. And that was our case, Um, myself and my brother. So I have three older brothers, one of which has... um, no longer with us, as I talked about before. I have another brother. And then the youngest of the older brothers was in the organization with me at the time. And so we, our parent never paid for us to go to these things. It was another family in the church, multiple families, multiple people paying our way to go. And which is so nice to look back on because I know them personally. And I know it was a sacrifice for them to send us, but they did it anyway. And they were always so happy to help. And so we would go away for a couple of days. There was a morning service, I think. I actually can't remember. I think there was morning sessions, maybe one day, and then there was a couple of night services. But uh, one year, <laughs> I was maybe 13, and so they had a group come from another state. who were who, They were also UPC. And they came in, and they did, like, stage plays, and they preached. And the play they did was, like, about... Um, I want to say it correctly so the episode doesn't get flagged, um, but it was about school violence and being a person in the UPC when school violence occurs and basically people passed away and you never invited them to church (laughs) and now, you know, or maybe you were the person who was invited to church and you never went and now you have to face judgment and yeah, it was horrifying and very traumatic for me because I yeah, yeah have anxiety. And I always, especially back then, was terrified of anything happening in any environment. And so when they reminded me that it, anything could happen at school, terrified. Um, and so there were a lot of people crying at the altar after that. And I was one of them. And it was not because I felt so moved and to be closer to God. I was terrified. And I was just praying, please don't let that ever happen to me. Please don't ever let me be in that position. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Please don't ever let that happen to me. That's so unhealthy um, and really, really scary now to think about having a child be there. And I'm just like, where, where was the adult? Like who, 
who approved it? I just want to talk to them. Like who approved it? Who was like, this is going to be so good to bring all these kids closer to God. I don't think that was the case, but nonetheless, that's what happened one year. Um, but later on there was a, uh, preacher who he's no longer with the UPC. He still preaches. He's just not affiliated with, uh, oneness Pentecostalism anymore. His name's not important. I almost said it, but it's not important. He's a great pastor preacher though. Um, in my opinion. And so he preached this message about Jacob and Esau and how Esau sold his birthright and Jacob would do whatever it took to have God's favor and to have the blessing and to have the responsibility. And that some of us who were in the room were not, did not have the firstborn birthright, so to say. Um, We didn't have the right last name. We didn't have the right heritage, but we would do whatever it took to be used by God. And I was like, wow, he's talking about me. Like, I have none of those things. In fact, I come from a family who tarnished their last name um, in the organization. I have no business being here. I have no right to any of this. But I would do whatever it took to be used by God. And so I just remember sobbing at the altar. Um, And I remember it, like, really, really clear like being up, like just walking up to the altar and like a couple of us, like randomly just walked up to the altar and over the pulpit, this guy said, and that's the thing about Jacob's, you don't have to tell them when it's time to pray. They know. And I just remember sobbing and saying, whatever you want from me, it's yours. Just, I want to be used by you so desperately. And I want ministry and I want all these things at any cost you know if I don't have friends if I don't have family whatever you need from me whatever the sacrifice is I'll do it and I just cried and cried and cried and so looking back on that now is really you know it's ironic um because when I prayed to be used by God and prayed for ministry this (laughs) what we're doing now is not (laughs) what I had in mind that's not what I thought when I thought ministry, I did not think helping people, um, leaving Pentecostalism or helping people, you know, in any shape or form that we're doing now, that that would be a ministry (laughs) or used by God. But nonetheless, here we are. Um, but I cried and prayed and I wanted that so desperately. And I can remember any time that we left an event, um, because we always went to one in March. It, um, a couple of cities away for the state, they had an event and we would stay overnight a night or two. And with uh, church camp, which is like five nights away, um, HYC, all the things. I was so sad at the end of them. I hated going home. Um, We didn't have a healthy house or home to go to. So it was hard for me each year to do that. And at the end, everybody was so on fire for God and so happy to go home and, and go to their school and be on fire for God and win their friends and baptize the faculty. And I was just sad because I did not want to go home because I knew when I went home, I knew the things that would take place. And I was, t- I was sad. And looking back now, I'm like, man, I've, you know, this poor girl, I wish I could hug her. Um, because I thought something was wrong with me, but I, you know, cause I thought everybody else had these perfect lives and perfect homes to go back to. And I was the only one who was going back to a broken home. 
And I would do anything to stay. I would do anything to stay at camp forever. I would do anything to stay at HYC forever if it meant that I didn't have to go home. But I would go home. Um, Super upset, super sad, super depressed and anxious. And and just live moment to moment, waiting for the next event, waiting to, for the church doors to open so I didn't have to be home. And, and I think that's why I stayed as long as I did. You know, I talked about before being involved in music kept me in the UPC. Um, but, you know, in my late teens, super early 20s, it just felt like it was the healthiest place that I could go. Because I didn't know that I could create a healthy space for myself. I thought it was the church and I thought if it's not there then it's my parents home which I I couldn't be a part of anymore Um, I moved out when I was 18 or 19 just you know trying to figure it all out and I thought the church was the only thing that was the only thing I had and so I was living in this like super difficult space thinking that this was it and it didn't matter what was preached. It didn't matter what was said. I wanted, I wanted it all because I thought that was the only, that was my only option. I didn't think there was a healthy life outside of it for me um, because I didn't think that I was like equipped to do that based on the history of my family and based on the fact that I didn't really have much. So I didn't think that that was possible. And I remember one of the last New Year's Eve services I was at um, praying and obviously crying. Um, it's funny. I make a joke. They're like, UPC girls all need, you know, I have to get Botox now because I cried so much and now I'm wrinkly. Um, anyway, but you know, obviously crying and praying fix me. There's some, something has to be wrong with me because I'm having a hard time being here. I'm having a hard time understanding the, plan of salvation i'm having a like a hard time understanding all of the um doctrine guidelines and the standards and everything every part of it feels wrong to me please fix me because i'm the problem and i didn't want to go another year living the way i was living because it was so tough um being there trying to be in ministry trying to you know figure out who I was in my 20s and find a healthy, happy space. It was all really overwhelming. And so I was like, if you can just fix me, then I can be here and I can feel comfortable and this can be my happy, healthy space. And I don't have to do anything outside of this. I can just be here and it can all work Um, because it was not, not working. And it was like slowly after that, that I realized that it wasn't going to work. Um, and I wish I didn't spend so much time between that space, um, spiraling until I landed on my feet years later, because I looked for so, in so many places and it's so many different things, trying to find peace and trying to find a happy, healthy space. Cause I didn't know I was capable of creating it. I didn't think that I had the right tools and I had the right people around me and I just didn't think I was good enough also. Like I thought, obviously there's something wrong with me. Um, I've never seen a happy household. I'm, you know, I'm not a product of a happy family. I do not come from money. I, I have nothing. 
And so I spiraled for way longer than I should have. And I did a lot of stupid things along the way. And so this is just a super, super gentle reminder to please, please have some like, like grace for yourself. The holidays are so hard, just in general, like they're, they're so fun. And having a, a little one during this time is the best, but holidays are tough, you know, especially I love routine and there is no routine right now, but the holidays are tough. You mix that with some of us, you know, left our families you don't get to celebrate holidays with your family anymore. You had to make a decision. And some of you, if you're going to see your family, it's going to have to be at a UPC church and you're not ready for that. Some of you don't know what to do with your time now because you're used to being at a service, at a watch night service. You know, you were in leadership. You were a youth pastor. You were a pastor. You were a preacher. And now you're not traveling during this time anymore. It's tough. Please have some grace with yourself. Don't feel like you have to do anything specific during this time. I remember leaving church and trying to figure out what to do with my Sundays. Um, and I just, you know, it took a little bit of trial and error before I realized, like, I really love a slow morning. Like, I want to take my time. I want to go work out. I want to go for a run. want to, you know, have breakfast. I want to cuddle with my little one. I, you know, want to watch football with my husband. I, that, that's what fills me up. It makes me feel happy. It doesn't have to be a specific thing. If you want to take, you know, the days that you would have been at a watch night service or at an HYC or just in general, you know, your Wednesday nights now, your Friday nights, your Sunday mornings, don't feel like it has to be a specific thing. You do what's best for you. You do what makes you feel happy because, you know, I I think I've talked about it before how I was... I had heard over the pulpit in a couple of different churches along the way that God's not concerned with your happiness. He's concerned with your holiness. And I I don't, I won't buy into that narrative anymore. You know, how, how could he not want us to be happy? I don't think he wants you to be miserable, friend. I don't. I don't think he wants you to be upset and unhappy and sad. So take this time. Remember that this community is here for you. We got your back. Um, I love hearing from you guys. Like your messages mean the world. Please, please, please send them. Don't ever think that you're bothering me or anything like that. I want to hear from you. It has been a pleasure getting to meet and know so many of you over the last six months. I did not think anybody was going to listen to this, let alone want to be on it. And I am backlogged with people who want to be interviewed, which is wild. Because like I said, I was convinced no one was going to care. But quickly, I am learning that there are so many of us and and that this space is needed. So please, please always feel free to message me. Um, there are so many of you, like I said, who are still waiting to be interviewed. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for understanding that I am trying to work through it the best I know how. Um, this coming year is going to be so, so fun. We've got some people who are Southern Baptists, some people who are, AL, you know, former ALJC members who are going to share their experiences. Um, so it's not just UPC. It's going to be kind of all over the board. I'm still focused on the UPC itself, um, but we're going to meet some new friends along the way. And I'm really looking forward to it. I'm going to try to throw in some extra um, solo episodes. I'm thinking about having some people who were interviewed early on um, back on later this year so we can catch up, see what they're doing now. And, and yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited for everything that's happening. So 
thank you so much for being here. Thank you for all of your support. I love you guys so much and I'll see you in January.